0: Hello, welcome to the Patient Activation Network podcast. I'm your host, Matt Cavallo. I have with me today Mary Beth Prendergast.
1: Yes. Hello.
0: From uh, National University. Welcome to the show, Mary Beth. Thank you, Matt. So, before we get going, could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: I am a nurse from originally from Ohio, and I have been a nurse for over 30 years, and I have had experience from pediatrics, Acute care, oncology, all the way through to labor and delivery and um, death and dying. And I did home care. And I've been teaching. And I've been a public health nurse in the inner city area in San Diego.
0: And so when did you just decide to leave nursing on the floor and, and transition into academia?
1: Well, I... I actually ended up in loving labor and delivery but worked so hard that I ended up with hand injuries and then I moved on to um, more patient support programs and then um, to a community college. And I started in the community college working in their student health clinic, doing patient education, um, helping students understand their insurance. Often they were just new away from home and they didn't know how to use their insurance and working with nurse practitioners. And then I heard that the nursing program at um, Grossmont Community College was in need of instructors. So I went and to the office and said, I hear that you need nursing instructors for clinical. And they said, oh, my goodness. Yes, come on in. And it turned out that there was one of the nurses there had moved on over from labor and delivery at Sharp Grossmont Hospital, and we had worked together at that facility and the women's center. So I started teaching then. And then later on, I decided that I wanted to teach full time. So I went back to San Diego State, and I got my Master's of Nursing Science, and I focused on maternal newborn because I had always gravitated to that. When I did home care, I was um, I liked us old I liked the older patients, but it wasn't it wasn't for me. I wanted to do maternal health. And then moving back into the public health, you do a lot of patient education and maternal health. So I had, I gravitated back to that. And so my focus became maternal newborn.
0: So let's uh, transition a little bit to what are the initiatives you have going at National University today?
1: The special program that we have at National University that I've been involved in a lot is the Vets to BSN program. And this is a program, it's competency-based education. And what that is, is we focus on providing opportunity for the military medics who have a lot of wonderful training to utilize all their experiences to obtain their bachelors of science in nursing, and the bachelors of science is now the the boards of nursing want that to be the entry level for nursing. So San Diego is a community that is really rich with a lot of medical and military facilities, and um, we're we're a military town. There's there's Navy, there's Marines, we have the Coast Guard there. So we have a lot of people who all have this wonderful experience and the military training they get is very detailed. The um, military uses the medics like an LVN, but even more into some of the RN roles. So they are very, very well-trained, and that background in the military makes them very competent, they're very committed, and they're very caring. So they they are very focused on making sure their patient gets their needs. So this program was started by Dean McNeil. She, um, it's federally funded, And she got a large grant. And when she applied for the grant, she was the only university that was accepted for this west of the Mississippi. So she was very interested in getting this funding for the military. And she is an ex-military nurse also. So it's based on the competency-based education program. And with that, what we're doing is having them come in and use their background to apply their knowledge and show that they have the experience and the skills to then meet the course objectives and go on and get the um, they have to pass certain tests they have to have um, certain areas that they have to meet and then they have to pass um, a final exam to be able to complete the program and our program is focus more on doing the obstetrics and the pediatrics, because a lot of the um, LVN programs that the military have been through do not have that specific training, so they need it in more detail. And they're different. They may come with some experience in that area, and some may not have any. So the Obama administration um, wanted this started, and I don't know exactly when for um, military to get the credit for the knowledge, the experience that they have. So one of the things that the program allo- allows is that the students have the ability to flex their time. So we have meetings and we give them what we want them to do. And each area has specific ways of doing it. Like we do CDs for the OB experience and then they have to do simulations but what I really want to focus on today is the flexibility of this program and the ability with the competency-based education to meet the needs of students who have something that interrupts their education and we had a student who was he was just exemplary and he he was really devoted you could tell his excellence He'd do a care plan and it would be just every detail that was needed. You only needed to have three interventions and he'd write down, with the priorities in order, top to bottom he would have six or eight and I said, you don't need all those. What are the top three? Remember those. So we, after they get to a certain point, they then take an exam and they start with the maternal newborn area and it's a proctored exam and we sit with them and after the exam he said he wanted to talk to me. And I'll just say, well, his name was Frank. And I I don't think he would be offended if I used his name because he was wonderful. So he really respectfully sat down and asked if we could talk about his mother. And then his story unfolded. And what came out is that he had been taking care of his mother and he had brought her over from the Philippines and she had been living with him I don't even know how many years. And he'd been to big, they'd been together for many, many years. He said it was just the two of them. And he paused and he said, I just can't care for her anymore. I can't make her walk, even when I try to carry her and hold her up. And he got really quiet. And in my mind, I sort of envisioned him as a medic, trying really hard to carry someone who was injured to get them to safety and then be able to take care of them. So we started talking, and he got quiet. And I said, well, what has happened? What's, what's different? And he said that she'd had a stroke. And he just got really quiet. And you could just see his compassion and his sadness and his fear and his grief because he's going through an- anticipatory grieving knowing that there's a change in his mother. And he knew what was coming, but as all of us do when we have a parent or someone we really care about... There's that battle of, I don't want this to happen, but I know it's going to happen. And then you have the medical knowledge of what's going to happen and, what, well, what can I do? And I think often those of us who are in medical field, they, we think, well, there's something I can do. There's always something I can do. So his sadness and his fear and his grief just sort of flowed out in emotional tears. And he finally released them after he'd finished this exam. As I listened to this amazing son, he'd been working full-time in the military, caring for his mother, and attending our accelerated program at National University. And he did everything with such devotion. You, You could tell in everything he did. So with all my years of experience in home care and had gone gone through grieving and dying with patients and families, I knew he just needed guidance and support. So we just sat and talked and we talked about her physical condition. I asked him questions. We sort of explored what was going on. Just one-on-one in the little computer room and we just connected. And um, I also had been going through difficult times with my mother, a slower progression than his mother most likely since she had not had a stroke. And um, it's an eventual mortality that we all all face. So I remember putting my hand on his hand and the time factor just kind of went away. You know, I, I knew he had some place to go and I knew he was supposed to go meet with the nest, next instructor, but the most important portion of this was really taking care of the student's needs. You know, at this point, he wasn't, he wasn't someone who had to get this done right now. He had met this goal of taking this portion of the program, had gotten to the portion where he was f- finished, and he passed the exam really well. And he was spent. It was, his emotions were done. So we just talked, and we talked, and I just let him talk. And we thought, you know, what can we do You should talk to, first thing you need to do is get a social worker at the hospital. And then that person will lead you down the path of what you need and she'll be able to find out what your mom needs and she'll know the support factors you can have. And then I saw Dr. Holworth, who couldn't come come today, she peeked down to the computer room and it's got a big window you can look in. And she just watched for just a few moments and left. So he talked a while and then went up to talk with um, Professor Holworth. He felt calmed down. He had a plan. He knew where to go. We took care of his needs. So what was wonderful about this opportunity and with the um, competency-based education where they have a coach and someone to help them along is that he was able to take the time off. He was able to take his mother to the Philippines and spend time with her in, his, in her final days. And I don't remember whether she passed away here or whether she passed away in the Philippines with her family. So, and that's part of their culture is to go home. So um, it was important for him to do this. So he talked to Dr. Holworth, and at the end of the day, it wasn't a real long time with her because he wasn't ready to absorb any information about the next step, the pediatric proportion. Uh, portion of the program and he had the assurance that we would be there for him and that he could touch base with us and we and we did we emailed him back and forth how are you doing what's going on and he actually took time and was able to finish this properly because with death and dying it's not a do-over when you're going through a process like that you can't go back and say oh let's try it over again you can't edit the program you go through it and and it is what it is so he was able to pause his education and he actually took a year because he was so emotionally and physically drained and was able to come back and then finish his education. He completed the pediatric portion, passed all his tests, passed his nursing exam, we call it the NCLEX, and got his Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. And. He wore his dress khakis to the pinning ceremony or the graduation ceremony and he asked Dr. Holworth because I didn't get to be at that one because I was at clinical. Do you think my mother is proud? And we said, yes, and she can see you. We're sure that she's watching you.
0: That's great. And I mean, it's uh, so inspiring, you know, not only his journey, but but the things uh, you guys did for him. You know, you mentioned that You focus more on the pediatric side, but that switch gets flipped and you, all of a sudden you're there, um, helping coach him through Mm -hmm, the stroke mm -hmm. and, and some of the end of life stuff that, Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, is no longer your specialty. You never turn that off, right?
1: Well, so I do the mothers and babies. Mm -hmm. Peggy focuses on the pediatric, but my background in pediatrics was acute care. So in acute care pediatrics and in in maternal newborn, you have some of the greatest experiences, but you also have some of the saddest things when a child is dying or when someone has lost their, their child or they're going to deliver a baby who's died. And those experiences are something that you take with you all through your life. And it's really important that we face those experiences with our patients and then, because eventually we will have to deal with those experiences. It may be sudden, it may be unexpected, but that grieving that goes on. And um, I did have a, uh, a great deal of training with Kubler Ross. She was a um, doctor or um, sociologist. I can't remember what, she, what, what degree, but she is the specialist in this area. And doing pediatric oncology was an area where we really needed a lot of support. So, and you take that you, you, you can't you can't separate from that. you have to have um, a, there's an emotional connection that you need to figure out what you think about it before you can really reach out to patients and be involved with that
0: yeah and in that student experience that you create at national University, understanding the work life balance that they may have, mm-hmm. um, you know especially. With him, with the with the Navy, and then um, you know that that coaching that you bring to it is is really a different um, experience than you would expect for most universities.
1: Yes, and I one of the things I really like about the coaching is that, and you spend time you're closer to the students, and you can see their eyes, you can see their reactions, and do they really understand it? And I find that sometimes just being able to be one-on-one with them, spending time with them going over an exam and going through the exam and, and helping them understand. And as you're there, you can actually see the process of their thinking. Where in a large classroom, we have the large classrooms and you don't always see the interactions of the students who might be in the back. And sometimes those are the students who may need extra attention, but they tend to sit in the back because they're more hesitant. So being able to be able to be with them one on one. And we had a specific day that we were there that we would meet and they knew that we'd be there at a specific time and go over things and then we would still be in contact. Um, they, they could text us on our phone. They, the student could reach us by email. Um, sometimes just a phone call. I've had students that, not specifically Frank, but um, have had a problem and they're texting me and they say, I, I, I'm stuck on this. And I'll say, well, call me and we'll discuss it. You've spent 20 minutes trying to format this. That's enough. That's a waste of your time. Let's find a different different way to do it. No, no. And that's something that National University is really known for is giving the students what they need the student experience one-on-one and the smaller class sizes rather than a large 200 auditorium you know our our classes are around 50 sometimes 20 depending on what it is our clinicals are smaller and um, you can watch the interactions between the students you can see who doesn't get it
0: We're talking to Mary Beth Prendergast of uh, National University. As we're getting towards the end of our show here, do you have any uh, closing thoughts that you want to share with the audience?
1: Well, I do think that with National University being the 1st Tree Plaintree-certified university, um, there's the hope that more universities will come on and do that, do this, and really the importance of having students focus on the patient and bring the patient into the process and having the students not go into just... And at first, they're all focusing on all the data and the details and the information they need and getting them to really focus on bringing the patient in and working with the patient and their emotional background and what's going on will have better patient outcomes and student outcomes.
0: Yeah, it definitely sounds like you're... At least in the case that we discuss, you're really creating an environment that that um, leads to compassionate care.
1: Yes, yes. We need to be compassionate and caring with our students, with our staff, and with our other faculty. And by doing that, we also are mentoring. And as students and others see what how we treat people, then it sort of spreads.
0: And if people wanted to learn more about National University, where, where could they find out about these great programs you have?
1: Uh, you can look it up our website, and if you have questions about a certain program, the best things to do are to call in to the student advisors, and they can talk to you about your interests, what area you might be interested, um, what education you have, and they can help you go down that pathway.
0: And we'll make sure that we share all those links and resources on our podcast notes. Mary Beth, I just wanna not only thank you for, for all the work you've done in nursing, but for what you're doing for the next generation of nurses. It's, it's uh, definitely great to hear that, that you're setting them up for a future of compassionate care.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Matt.
0: She's Mary Beth Prendergast. I'm Matt Cavallo. This has been the Patient Activation Network podcast. We look forward to bringing you another inspirational story soon.